three. It's Cash Color Cannabis, a live, a high level of conversation. Um, today we are not at Live Hip Hop Daily, unfortunately, for this interview. I'm at my um, Urban Growth Studios, which is AKA my crib. Uh, but I do got a super dope person online with us today, man. My man Alfonso Tukey Blunt Jr. Y'all might know him as um, one of the co-founders of Blunt and More. I'm out in Oakland, man. But he's um he has big plans as far as um possibly franchising the brand. We are uh, we want to talk to him about social equity equity today and a whole lot more, man. So um I'm definitely honored to have you on today. Man, I'm honored to be here, dog. Like <laughs> like I told you uh, just in the pregame, I came looking for y'all, and then to hear that you was already looking for me is like, blam. But just one quick correction, because people do it too. It's tough, like tucky. 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 Okay, my bad. Yeah. My bad about that, man. Tucky. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure people love to say Tukey. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, don't trust me. I, I hear But I'm honored to be here, bro, and thank you for having me. No doubt. No doubt, man. All right, so um, for those who actually are unfamiliar with the show or unfamiliar with you, um, just please introduce us and tell us what you do formally. Okay, so I'm, I'll, like you said, Alfonso Tucky Blunt Jr. I am the owner of Blunston Moore Dispensary in Oakland. Uh, Blunston Moore is the first dispensary established by or established because of the social equity program that Oakland had first to have a dispensary license also aka first ex-felling for selling cannabis to now own a storefront retail selling cannabis um history in the game I'm 41 I've been selling weed since I was 16 I've always approached it as a business I've never approached it as like a I don't know I don't know what to call it but I've always approached it as a business um, 2004, I got arrested for selling it, and like I said, now in 2018, I opened a dispensary in the same zip code. I called my felony marijuana case in. So oh, that's a that's a that's a story, baby. Um, man. So, uh, well, let's get into let's get into the background of Bud before we get into the business of 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 cannabis. Um, as you mentioned, you were you were into the business of cannabis legally. I mean, illegally early in life, man. 16. Um, what brought you what brought you into selling Bud? Um, honestly. It's been in my family forever. We've never known weed, as we call it, to be bad. It was just something like, it was a family thing. You smoke your weed, you play your dominoes, it's cool. My dad sold weed, my mom sold weed, but they never like put it in our face. I just was observing. Um, for me, I looked at it as a way for me to make money. And I also looked at it as, you know, it should be illegal to do this, but keep it a band with you. I've been working since I was 13 just different jobs. At age 16, I got a job working at Lucky's, which is like a grocery store to call Albertsons now. And all of my co-workers smoked weed, but they had nowhere to get it from. So I was like, hmm, I sell weed. I have good weed. You should get it from me. And it was on. I made more money at work than I made at work. And I just kept going. I kept going. And I just I mean, I have my corner sales if I want to be out there because I'm known in my hood. I have a hood. I have a turf. But I knew if I went to a turf to sell weed, I'd be in jail. So if I could sell my weed without having to be on a turf, that meant I can have longevity in this game. And that's how I've been able to have longevity in this game. That's what it is, man. Um, you know, so definitely coming from the coming from the the underground, the 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 Coming from the legacy side of the market, man, um, transitioning into the the legal side had to been um, some challenges in front of you. Um, speak to us about some of the challenges you you face trying to get into the legal side of the market. You know, aside from just dealing with laws, like what were some of the biggest transitions you dealt with? 
<laughs> it's going to sound really cliche, but capital and education, oh, yeah. period. So for me, knowing how to be business savvy, knowing how to run a business, knowing how to, I know how to do that. I detail cars for 30 plus years. I had a successful auto detail business. I've done a vast amount of other shit. So I knew how to run business. But going into the legal side, a lot didn't really change because I approach it the same way. You know what I'm saying? It's just more paperwork involved, more education you need to know about this paperwork, more funding you need to be able to get into these rooms and rent these buildings out in A, B, and C. Um, so the biggest, the biggest, two biggest things that you're probably going to hear with your interviews, the two biggest things that you need on this legal space that are hard to get coming in, as especially as an equity owner, is capital and education. And got to love the equity program for what they did and continue to do. But again, they gave us a license in a billion dollar industry with maybe quarters worth of knowledge. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what I'm talking about with the education. We have to know how to deal with these deals, how to structure our deals, how to go out and deal with these sharks and know the value of our license, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, speaking solely for me, those are the two biggest problems I came across was education or lack thereof and funding. So after you, after you did get into business, man, um, did you have to pull from mentors or pull from anybody else in order to really kind of learn the legal side of the business? So at the time coming in, I had an attorney who was part of my team, but they were kind of like part of my previous partner's team. So they weren't like giving me all the knowledge I could get and obtain from them. But a lot of my game and knowledge has really, and this is just like, as I say, no cap has become from learning on the job. Um, I have mentors that I lean on in case I run up against something, but those mentors tell me like, bro, you, you learn it faster than I learn. You caught on fast. And these people are be legit. Um, Keith Stevenson, who owns Purple Heart, who I think you should talk to too. He's actually the first black owner of any cannabis business legal anywhere in the world. A lot of people don't know that. Shout out to Keith Stevenson of Purple Heart. Um, I have like my main, main real talk, main mentor. I can really just honestly say is like somebody who I call through thick and thin is be legit. Like we talk a lot about the business because he's been in the business and me and him have done illegal business together since I was 16. So we trust each other to know that, you know, we can talk to each other about things that's going on. And I was in an unfortunate situation with my last partner, but it worked out. I got a good, fast learn on how to deal with certain shit in this space. And I mean, you know, keep it in, however you want to say it, like I was meant to do this dog. Like I didn't, I didn't plan this. I'm just walking a path that was already laid out for me. And I'd be doing a disservice not to do these interviews, not to talk to people, not to show that people that look like us, that dress and talk like us can run a successful cannabis business without a big MSO behind you. So I know that was a long way to answer that answer, but that's what I'm on. No, but that was that was that was great because you know through my show we 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 our show is broadcasted everywhere. You know what I mean? So you could listen to the show not just in Oakland but in Atlanta and plenty of places where the market isn't legal. And I deal with people on the on the uh, legacy side often from pop ups to people who have amazing weed and amazing business talents, but they don't know how to get themselves situated in this business. So it's good that we do have brothers like yourself who can speak from a perspective of I was there. You know, these are the two biggest things I had to deal with, and some of it you're gonna learn on on the on the job. Does that mean can you hear me? Okay, yeah, we have frogs for a minute. But no, see, we have to do that. We gotta do that because I want everybody to be legal. Like my brother in the other room, we were just having a conversation just off camera, just like, you know what I'm saying? I want everybody to be legal. 
I don't want none of us to have to be shipping packs or doing that unless we're shipping them to legal companies. Legal but a lot of us are scared because they don't see us saying that we can do that. It's like, no, we can do that. And it may be other money that you can get into besides just shipping the packs. Now you're working on the branding for the packs. You're working on like that's money you can get in this space that's extra than you just shipping the packs. And what people don't realize, I told one of my um one of my new soon to be business partners, um, his name is Q. He um he has designer farms that do the bubblegum weed. Um, good brother out of Oakland, good businessman. But he was really stuck on he wanted to stay traditional forever. And I told him, I said, bro, traditional cannabis leads to traditional cannabis problems. <laughs> On this legal side, I'm not going to jail. And I literally told him this when I was in Detroit a couple of weeks ago. Like, I didn't, like, had that written down. I just said it right then because he was using the word traditional. I'm like, well, yeah, if you stay traditional, big dog, you don't have to still be looking over your traditional shoulder, worried about going to traditional jail. I don't have to worry about that right now. You dig? And it's like, I need more other people to feel like and understand that we can do this. And you can make more money on this side because there's so much other avenues you can go into besides just shipping weed from coast to coast and making a couple bands on a come up. You can have a residual income for your family and lifetime wealth on this side without going to jail. Yeah. You feel me? Like yeah. that, and that's huge. But we got to have more people saying that so they can see it. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. And um, luckily, we do have people like yourself in a good position to tell other brothers about that. Um, one of the things that you did mention in, in the congratulations, you were the first social equity recipient. You know what I mean? Like, speak to us about that moment when you learned about that information that you were going to receive social equity assistance. So, 2017, I got a phone call from Mike Marshall. Mike Marshall is um, the voice of I Got Five on it. I'm sure you're familiar. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking um, I'm singing the song in my head now. <laughs> so that voice that's saying, oh, I got five on it. My homie. The whole group is the homie, but that's my homie, too. He called me and said, hey, Tucky, you ever caught a weed case in Oakland before? Hella random. Mind you, you know, we talk all the time, but that was hella random. I'm like, yeah, I caught a case before. Why? So he told me, he said, man, they got an equity program, and they're trying to do reformation to give people, you know, opportunities that went to jail for weed chances at ownership and i'm like damn i pull up my computer i'm looking at it i'm like damn it's it's legit you know what i'm saying i'm like well you know like i got two people out of atlanta two sisters they you know got a cannabis background but they need somebody who called a case to fit the criteria i didn't know much at the time i'm just reading it now back back a little bit i had worked in cannabis clubs before in the prop 215 days i was a vendor for multiple cannabis clubs in the bay area um like I have my history, but that was probably 215. So I didn't know this side. I'm like, you know what, what they want from me? They don't want nothing. All right, let me go talk to them. I went and talked to them. In September of 17, we submitted the application. December of 17, the drawing was on January 31st of 18. And it was a bingo ball drawing. You throw your bingo ball in the chamber. They roll it around. If they pick your ball, you lost. It was one of those four remaining balls you wanted a dispensary license i put our ball in third and then we were one of the remaining four balls when i won when they pulled that fifth ball and we was the last four i stood up i don't know who you call the heavenly father but i call him yahweh i stood up i said praise yahweh i have my dispensary how that felt which is the original question that felt amazing and i need other people to have that feeling yeah and, you know what i'm saying to to know that i went to jail for this I went to Amsterdam in 2008 when people was laughing at me for going to a weed school. 
um, I put in my dues in this space. So for me, after 20, at that time, 23 years of being in the game, for them to say that my name can be attached to a cannabis club, man, it was life-changing. It, it's, it's, it's a moment that I will already reflect on because in 1999, I told my granny I wanted a dispensary. After I seen that you could sell weed legally, when she came out the store with the weed, I'm like, you can buy weed out of a store? She's like, yeah, I want one. Because that's how I always envisioned selling my cannabis. I was already a store. You could pull up on me and get five different kinds of weeds, weed cookies, ecstasy pills, Molly, car insurance, whatever you need, I had it. And to be able to transfer that to a legal cannabis business and be reputable, you can verify my facts. Like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not just talking like you can really go through the streets of Oakland and ask about not just Oakland, but I, I'm going to ship weeds to Atlanta. I'm going to ship the cookies out there. I'm like, you know, I'm like, been doing this so to be able to do this it's a feeling that it's hard to describe but i know other people should have yeah bro bro amazing story man well you you definitely was deserving man it was, was definitely it was definitely in the in, in the plans <laughs> of the universe for you to get what you got and now we got blessed yeah. and more um what's it like running the store now bro like what, what's what's it like being head of the the vision that you've been dreaming about for this long so coming in i thought the vision was going to be great um, me and my partner, like I said, we're separated now because more my, my last name is Blunt, as we all know. My partner's last original old partner's last name was Moore. But they had their own, what well, she had her own vision on what she wanted to do as a store and kind of ran with it without telling me. So how it felt to run, store, run the store the first two years, I was just the brand builder. I'm the one going to Sway, going to Karen Hunter talking on, you know, cash color cannabis. I'm doing the interviews, you know what I'm saying? That was me. I'm in the field trying to bring the stars in, bring the brands in, stuff I'm used to doing. But now, starting March 22nd, I'll actually be like running my store, knowing the finances and knowing the ins and outs of the business and actually being a part of the team. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but with all that being said and all the stuff that happened between me and my previous partner, Blunt and more was thriving. Prior to getting robbed, we were thriving. We were doing good. We had good numbers. Customer base is great. Like, people are waiting for us to reopen. Um, I believe I have a franchisable brand. I believe that Blunson Moore can go to any other city that has social equity and open and have another equity qualified candidate have their store be Blunson Moore. Um, I don't believe that all my stores have to be equity, but I do believe that this should be the equity brand. And I've built what I have built over these two, three years to show that you know what i'm saying i'm the face of this brand because it means that much to me um and it just it's, it's it, it feels good to be in that position it's a hard position um because i'm a father i'm a husband businessman all the stuff but now i have to take on leader and i'm gonna keep it a band with you i didn't sign up for this you understand what i'm saying but it's bigger than i'm in a position that other people need to be in so if i have to go ahead you know take this extra load to help some people that I may not even ever meet in my life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this might, what I'm doing right now, bro, might not even benefit nobody in particular until way after I'm gone. But I'd be wrong if I didn't do what I'm doing. So I got to own it and be the face of social equity. Then fuck it. That's, that's, it is what it is. And look, it's a burden that most of us don't think about. You know, when you come into business, everybody thinks about the glamorous side of it. You got to make money. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to be doing interviews, but there's also payroll and there's also having to fire people, you know what I'm saying? They have, you know, having to cut ties with vendors who you've been cool with. Cause it's just not, it doesn't work feasibly anymore. Like those are real decisions you got to make when you get into business. 
And people don't think about that. Because people don't approach cannabis as a business. Like a lot of these things that we talk about go right back to a lot of the same terms and same quotas and little quotes. And But it's really that simple. And when we try to make stuff more simple than it needs to be, it gets bogged real big on simplicity and meaning what you're saying, saying what you mean. And, you know, just let's cut the shit. Like it is what it is. And people got to really understand no business. Let me, let me, let me, let me. No business makes money within the first three years, y'all. No. So no. you have to think of ways. If you're coming into this space to do growing and selling, pause, don't do that. Those are the two most expensive things to get into. Find something else to get into to come in this space. It's not going to cost you as much. Yeah. Then you'll actually might see some profit. But if you come in to grow and sell, you're going to be about three, four million in debt before you even start to see a hint of green. So it's just, you know, stuff like that that they won't tell us, us meaning us, but I'm going to tell us, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, again, definitely things that need to be known, man, because um, it's it's expensive to be in this business, man. You you got to think about different ways you could do it, like you say, without having to necessarily touch the plant, because you talking about touching the plant, you already about, like you say, a couple million in debt before you ever see a profit. Easy. People don't think about that. You got to buy a building or rent, whatever, but preferably okay. if it was me, I'd rather own it. You got to buy a building, buy supplies, you got to buy the, I mean, everything. You got to pay the staff to do it all, and then where are you making the money at? Yeah. Let's say you're doing all this and your whole growth fucks up. Where's that money coming from to pay those staff and restart the new growth? Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real life decisions, man. And then when you go through, you go through real things. Like we know we, for the last year or so, we've had pandemics. You've had a robbery. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that you're going to have to just take on full speed when you're, when you're in business. And you have this, you had to deal with those two things primarily, you know, a pandemic and having to restart from a robbery. Um, what was your mindset as far as dealing yeah. with both of those things, man? And what did you learn walking away from them? Um, I did the whole don't retaliate, educate thing. Um, the day after we got robbed, well, same day, actually. I got on the phone with weed maps, cookies, uh, saucy extracts, um, just different people I knew. I was like, hey, we need to put something together to raise money for other dispensaries that got hit. You hear me? Like, this is for other dispensaries. Yeah. But Put that together when I put out a hitch. We're actually working on I got five on it, the second edition, hopefully the next couple of months. Um, but I just I just walked away from it just like I'm a big person positive time being following down and um we did the I got five on it, that was great. But when we closed the store in December, I knew I was gonna read, you know, I knew that. I could reopen and thrive like I should have been. So I just, you know, it's, it's, I didn't let none of that stop me. You know what I mean? Like I kept on moving the same. I kept doing interviews. I kept pushing the brand because I knew I was going to reopen. And that's just kind of like how I say today, like, bro, I don't, I don't fuck being naked. Always I'm not the big. Oh boy. Um, so I know you have dreams of being in a franchise situation. Um, Speak to us about that. Like, what, is, what would a franchise model look like for Blunts and Moore? Go to another state. Yep. They have an equity candidate there. We interview the equity candidate. Um, say we want to do it. We bring the, um, we set up the store. We look just like Blunts and Moore, you know, you know, nice another Blunts and Moore. I would get a franchising um, store. I'm looking for really like this, some shit like 
now. You got to pay me for that if you want it to be your store. So I, I'm trying to negotiate that now to, to see how much I want that to be. But it'll probably be anywhere from the twenty-five dollars to $50,000 range. And then I'll get a royalty for, you know, my branding every year from each from each location. I will base that royalty based on net sales. Um, and whoever comes from to business, of course, they'll have to get some back. 10% max, not trying to gouge anybody. And that person who owns the shop will still own their shop. We're just coming in as a straight. Help you do your thing. Have a bunch of more franchise. That's that all black people we put together all invest in hell of more. So Bro, it's dope. So it's looking like we're gonna we might see a, a, a Starbucks version, man. Like y'all, we we gonna see a we gonna see blunts and more popping up in, in various states like that. Yeah. Only thing is, I don't want to saturate it. So like in California, I want to do Oakland, LA. If I come to like Atlanta, then I'll do you know one in like the the heart of Atlanta, and then that may be. I'm saying I'm not I'm not here to have them on every corner, or you know you know what I'm saying I want to be strategic. You. I want to be I want to force into this minority owned location. You understand me? Like I want I, I don't I don't want to put it like a McDonald's or nothing like that. Nah. I want it to be we come into Oakland specifically to go to Blunt some more. You understand what I'm saying? And now if it grows bigger and there's more people that want their stores to be blunt some more, then that's another conversation to be had. But I'm just like keeping it this you getting some exclusive. Like I've had seven people already reach out to have their stores be Blunts and Morris. And they're they've turned down other major MSOs to run their brand because they wanted to be Blunts and more and they heard how I want to do the franchise. Like I'm not here to take away your business, dog. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. A lot of these people that want to make these deals, they want to take your business. Why? Like why you need to take my business to partner with me? You can partner with me without taking my business. Now, if you're a person who doesn't want to run the blunts more and you have a lot of you have everything, you just want to let us run everything and you collect a check, we can do that too. But I'm looking, me personally, I want people to feel like me. I want you to own you a goddamn dispensary in your zip code that you caught your case in and you helping your community out by funneling the money within your community and you spending it back to the community that you went to jail for selling weed in. That's the type of people I want to partner with. You understand what I'm saying? But if it gets bigger than that, bro, hey, I'm with it. I'm with it. Bro, I hope it do get bigger than that, man, because you really got that energy that needs to be, you, yeah, you, we need to see this just for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we need to see this on a, on a bigger level simply because of who you are, man. Um, before we get out of here, what, what would you want to be remembered for the most? Like, say we look in 10 years down the road and we're in a bigger space as far as legalization and decriminalization. We have more states involved. There's more people who know about Blunts and more. There's more people who know about you. What do you want to be remembered for 10 years down the road? Like, as far as what you started here and what that legacy should look like from 10 years from now? Honestly, just being honest, being upfront, um, AKA being real. They can't take away the money. Nobody can take it away, you know, that that's not going nowhere. So I'm in the history books. I'm the first, period. So I don't even have to say that. That goes without saying. But I just wanted to be known I was real and that I shared as much as I could and did as much networking and as much as, like, bringing people. To, it's so much, bro, that I'm doing behind the scenes that I'm not getting paid a crumb for. 
that I'm doing because of a bigger picture. And I don't even care about getting paid. You understand me? So I just want people to know that they're dealing with somebody who's really about like, I'm from the prop 15, 215 days. I'm from the days where the cat with a the menu said donation. It wasn't about money. It was about the camaraderie, about bringing people together. Cannabis is a bringing together type of people playing. So I just want to get back to that. So I want to be remembered for shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just, just want to be remembered for being real, bro. And this black man, father, ex-felon, is successfully running a legal cannabis business and one of the most recognizable ones to be quiet which you know what i'm saying i've heard more people know about blunts more than i really knew about it so you know facts man that's that's facts that's 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 it (laughs) hey well bro you doing you doing an amazing job out here you definitely carving out a great name and i feel like you're building an amazing legacy and i'm glad to have you part of the cash color cannabis history now man look we are like we get off um that, that's you that's been emailing, right? Yes. Okay, cool. I need your phone number, all the shit. Like, we got a network beyond just doing this. Because I, I, when I say I'm always working, I'm up at 5 a.m. and don't go to bed till midnight daily. And I'm always working from the time I open my eyes to the time I go to sleep. I got some people y'all need to link with that y'all need to link with them. They need to link with y'all. I got weed maps. Like, I'm like, we got to. We got to stay locked in. Like, I want, like, when I seen y'all and followed you and sent you my bio and stuff, I already had in mind, like, five people I want to connect y'all with then. So, like, let's keep this going, Brother King. Like, for real. For real, for real. For real, for real. Let's, let's definitely keep this going, man. We got we got a lot of stuff we can give back to this community. And I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, it's that time. So, brother, I definitely appreciate the time today. Say less, bro. Say less. I got you. I got you. Matter of fact, when I email you, just send me your size and your address. I got some going out to Morris and no matter of fact, I'm next week too. So I'm, I'll, I'll make a double order out and to the I'll get, I'll get you a little gift pack together too. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Please do. My boy. I appreciate your time. And I'm going to shoot you an email right after this. But um, thank you very much for your time today, man. And that's Cash Color Canvas, a high level of conversation. Thank you for having me. No doubt. Peace. Peace. I'll email you in a second.